I mean, it's rare there's a Tom Cruise movie that's totally disappointing. You're always a little entertained. Yeah. Yeah, he's And maybe he runs in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, he definitely runs in that movie for sure. (laughs) I was watching uh, Mission Impossible, uh, I think it was four, and it just starts off with him running. Like, like, like there's other stuff going on and then he just like comes out of nowhere and starts running. That'd be like if the opening shot of a Quentin Tarantino film was a woman's feet. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little too on the nose. <laughs> That's great. Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, creator of the hit compilation series Fingers on the Pulse, featuring the best love songs by artists like Philip Snake Finger Lithman, Five Finger Death Punch, Greg Fingers Taylor, Finger Eleven, Johnny Fingers, and Patrice Baby Fingers Russian. <laughs> oh. Something about that made my skin crawl. The I kind of knew it would. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange word, and then you say it more than once, and it just becomes stranger every time. I, I, I got so wrapped up in all the finger words, I didn't notice if you put snake finger in there. It was the first one. Okay, you did. <laughs> I, 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 you did. All right, beautiful. We're all good, as long as we don't bring up salad fingers. Ooh, nice. I'm co-host Jeremy, and... Now I'm disgusted, but I'm also feeling a little sad, guys. Oh, no. Yeah, it's been, oh, about two years since I posted my Forget-Me-Nots TikTok dance, and you guys haven't liked it yet. Oh, I f- I'm so sorry, Jeremy. I for- forgot to do that. I Do you even follow my TikTok account? I didn't even know you had one. Wow. It hurts. Well, I, we all have things to fix after this episode. Would you like to uh, share your TikTok account with our fans so that people can follow you on there, Jeremy? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I think this is highly sus. Jeremy on TikTok. Oh, I got dances for days. Well, we have we have something. We planted something for everyone to seek out. Who knows if they'll get anywhere with it? I am co-host Peter Cook. And it's easy in this day and age with everything coming at us so fast, living on the, you know, basically living on the information superhighway that to feel that we need to hurry up and just get everything done. And I want to remind both my co-hosts as well as the listeners that there's no need to rush, but there's plenty of reason to rush in. Oh, I... (laughs) I saw that that was going like a mile away. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will say, Jeremy, when you I think when it dawned on you where it was going, there was a twinkle in your eye and a, a grin on your face. <laughs> it did lift my spirits a little. Okay, great. Now I just got to go find that TikTok video and like it. And yeah. You'll be golden. Yeah. Joining us today on I'd Buy That for a Dollar is a Philadelphia-based DJ, radio host, and musician, Welcome, for the first time, to the program, Lil Dave. Hey, how are you guys doing? 
Doing sad. good. Welcome to <laughs> I'd Buy That for a Dollar. Yeah, Jeremy's sad. The rest of us are just fine. <laughs> so it's, everything's... I'm happy to be here. Everything's normal. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, what record did you pick out? Uh, I picked out Patrice Russian's album, Patrice, I believe her fourth album? Yes. Many people think of this as her debut album, and we'll get into reasons why, but it is actually her fourth full-length release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like this album. I, I actually picked it up recently. And uh, I'm just going to warn you guys, like, in, in preparing for this, I used ChatGPT to try to, like, compile as much info as I could about it, and, and it just couldn't figure it out kept uh, referencing forget me nots which has nothing to do with this album <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how this goes but <laughs> all right worth a shot yeah forget me nots the big hit and maybe the only song that most people know by her definitely an underappreciated artist in some circles i mean you talk to the heads you know go ask Questlove; he'll tell you that patrice russian is a living legend but not enough people share this point of view so hopefully with this episode we can do our little part in giving Patrice Russian the credit that she deserves as a true legend of music. Absolutely. So what song are we starting with? Let's start with uh, Music of the Earth. Perfect. Side one, track one. That's how you kick off an album, just right off the bat, showing you that Patrice means business on this record. And just such an interesting mix of styles. Is that disco? Is it funk? Is it jazz? Is it pop? Is it all of them? 
got those lush strings and just like those monster funky bass lines, the tight drums, it's all there. I'm just imagining it's October 1978, this new Patrice Russian record drops and some jazz purist walks down to his local record store eager to get his hands on the latest release from this burgeoning amazing jazz musician gets home puts it on the hi-fi that comes out and initially there's like 30 seconds of jaw on the floor just scoffing and upset but then it the the movement the magic overtakes him. For the record, Peter is doing a very awkward, <laughs> jaunty movement right now. It's, I guess I'm trying to imitate her in the Forget Me Nots video. She kind of has her arms <laughs> swinging like that. And I, I imagine that it's just, I wish there was that reaction like filmed that someone had the moment of the jazz purist being just not being able to uh, stay smug when the uh, music, just the magic and of this music just overtook him. Are you saying that we should uh, we should like your reaction videos to this album on TikTok? Is that what you're hinting at? <laughs> That's Jeremy, not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about Peter's super secret TikTok. Double True. Secret. Yeah, edit edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny thing with this one is like the jazz purist didn't really like that she was you know, going this route, like this was, they they weren't ready for this, this side of her. Cause you know, that three albums before were just all straight up jazz. Yeah. Or like jazz fusion-ish, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was really surprised. I had, you know, I knew that she had been a jazz musician prior to being more of a pop musician, but I had no idea that it was, you know, that like traditional of jazz. Like you said, maybe yeah, more fusion-y though, but it was still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, expertly crafted definitely and and like this track it doesn't necessarily it's not like fully a pop song it's still heavier on the jazz side there's like lots of little switch ups and changes that don't feel you know super poppy and simple and honestly like this wasn't the single but like I feel like this is the big song from the album personally and and, and it's actually like a big um dance track and like kind of like the underground dance disco communities yeah i believe that it kind of struck me a little bit as a little production wise kind of kashif ish it had a lot of like parts kind of cutting in and out and like there's a lot of different things in the song but at any given time there's like it doesn't feel like crowded or wall of soundy so. no no yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that Kashif was listening to some Patrice Russian while he was coming up, getting ready to drop those solo masterpieces. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, actually, this song, um, you know, I kind of play a lot of different types of music when I DJ, but there's this one electronic genre that I have championed for years, and it's called Broken Beat out of the UK. And the way I first heard this song was through a Broken Beat cover of this. So Broken Beat's kind of like... It was kind of like the house guys and the drum and bass guys decided to make funk music, basically. And there was an artist named Damu, and he did a cover of this. And it's amazing. But then when I found the original, it just blew my mind even more. That's such a great way to get into music, finding something from the sample and then realizing that you 
love the original source material and the you know the edited version for different reasons it's just like music is so cool right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and there's actually like um a couple references to um to just like electronic music and broken beat and well maybe not references in this album but they reference this album a couple of the songs that we're, we're talking about so yeah speaking of uh what you just mentioned with the samples it reminded me of my one experience with patrice before recently when i checked it out for this episode and sean and i are splitting a dj gig i think it was a new year's eve gig and he's goes to put on forget me nots and is like everybody's gonna love this song but nobody's gonna know it because the chorus is uh, sampled in the Men in Black soundtrack. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a song. In, it's like interpolated. Yeah. yeah. So people uh, are like, oh, yeah. And they're all dancing and into it. And yeah. 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 It has that, uh, that effect on, on people. <laughs> <laughs> that look of like slight confusion, but it's still just undeniably funky. And they're going to dance even though they're not really sure what's happening. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure anyone under the age of 45 currently, as of 2023, first heard Patrice Russian via Men in Black. <laughs> or, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. Unless, aside from the people whose parents were playing Patrice Russian records for them, that's that's the in for many folks. <laughs> I mean, I think whatever the TikTok thing that is that that happened with her recently kind of got people actually knowing the words to the song, which is huge. Yeah. <laughs> For us that are actually out there playing it. You know? <laughs> Amazing. So, Peter, what's your history with Patrice Russian? Were you very familiar with her music before this selection? I knew Forget Me Nots, and I knew that she had come up as a jazz prodigy. And we've mentioned her a handful of times on the podcast, mainly from you, Sean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, beyond that, that's that, that's about it. Weren't you familiar with Remind Me, or at least the the samples? Yes. Well, that's yeah. so that's the song, yeah, that, that's been sampled a ton. That's on the same album as Forget Me Nots. Right. Yep. So I was familiar with that as well. Yeah, she has, she's pretty heavily sampled overall. Like, there's especially a lot of the slower songs. Mm-hmm. I so I listened to the whole uh, Quest Love Supreme interview with Patrice Russian, which I highly recommend that if you want to dig in a little deeper. And they touched on the sampling in there a little bit. And one of Quest Love's theories that he brought up is that her music is so perfectly on tempo and consistent most of the time that it's much easier to chop up and sample than a lot of her contemporary artists. And yeah, her, she had a huge musical education background to this and had put tons and tons of hours and years for life dedicated to excellence in music and it shows on these albums like she's not screwing around on here this is very serious and she wants to do it the best possible way that she can and and aside from that she's always been pretty down with people sampling her music she says she still gets requests constantly for people to sample her stuff and she's made some pretty good money on it over the years thankfully yeah i kind of feel like with her music the there's so much going on in every track it's it's like perfect for sampling not not only is it on tempo but it's like 
there's all these little sections, all these little moments that are just perfect for capturing and turning into something else. Yeah. The same thing that makes this a really interesting album listen start to finish also has all those weird little unexpected twists and turns and sound pockets that are ripe for the samples. Absolutely. So Dave, you said you just picked up this record recently. Did you have other Patrice Russian stuff before this? Have you been a fan for a while? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the one I probably pull, pull out the most is the Pizzazz album, the album after this. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a bit more um, pop, you know, pop uh, mainstream kind of like really hitting on the R&B side more than the jazz side. Yeah, it definitely shows a little more of the transition away from the jazz influence, um, especially, you know, the record Straight From The Heart that we've been talking about with the big hit, Forget Me Nots from 82. That's even more into the like almost electro boogie funk kind of thing. Absolutely. So yeah, it's fun to see all the different transitions that she's doing. She's someone that's always been interested in a wide variety of music and has been deliberate in just following the muse, really. She's playing the music that she's interested in at any given time. And it's almost more of a coincidence that the stuff that she liked ended up being hits. Yeah. When I first saw the album title Pizzazz, I legitimately read it as pizzas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I thought that seems like an odd, that doesn't seem like her style. It actually is not a bad name for a pizza place. I I would like to see that. Pizzazz. (laughs) Or an album, honestly. I'd buy that album. Yeah, you're a a known fan of pizza. (laughs) True. (laughs) Well, before we get into another song, do you guys want to play a game? Oh, Uh, boy. Yeah. Let's do it. I have a brand new, never-before-featured game that I'm just going to spring on everybody. So we'll see if it works. And if you love it, maybe we'll bring it back sometime. But this game is called, What's Your Favorite Song? Uh, I'm going to break down the rules for you real quick. I'm going to ask everybody what their favorite song about a specific topic is. And the trick to this game is I'm going to be asking a question that obviously points towards one specific song. And the trick is that you have to try and figure out coming up with an answer that is not the song that everybody thinks about first and try and have it related in some way. That may sound a little complicated, so let me just give you the first example. What's your guys' favorite song about the boys being back in town? And my answer to that is Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay, that works. Yeah. I'll say this is how we do it. Perfect. I'm until Jordan. This is just an example, right? Yeah. Or we, we, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I understand the premise behind this. So it's not, re- they don't, it doesn't have to be related to this artist or album. No. Wide open. Yeah. Wide open. I mean, like, if it can be slightly related in an unexpected way, that's probably the best answer. Also, I have no points or way to win this. I guess if the audience listening at home wants to decide who had the best answers and who won, you can uh, email us or get at us on social media or something. So drop that email now, Sean. I'd buy that podcast at gmail.com. All right. You got my back. Love it. (laughs) All right. So let's play. What's your guys' favorite song about being on a highway to hell? Valley of the Sun by Moist Voice. Life is a highway. I'd have to say uh, Aretha Franklin, Pink Cadillac. Mm. Mine is obviously Autobahn by Kraftwerk. It's a good one. Yeah. What's your guys' favorite song about professing a solid desire to be someone's dog? Uh, 
<laughs> uh, it's probably a Sydney Gish song. That's her album's No Dogs Allowed. So I'm just thinking of dogs. Something off that album. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> I'd say Cat uh, Stevens was Dog a Donut. Perfect. Um. Wow, I, I'm blanking on this one. All right, well, will you think about it? I'll tell you that my favorite is definitely X Gone Give It To You by DMX. Ooh, good one, good one. <laughs> the Sydney Gish song that I'm thinking of is called Imposter Syndrome. Okay, all right. You got anything, Jeremy, or are you passing on this one? Say it again. I'm blanking here. <laughs> what is your favorite song about professing a solid desire to be someone's dog? Oh, you got a friend in me. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right, last one. What's your guys' favorite song about how people make the world go round? Oh, (laughs) Uh, I I can't say the first one that came to mind. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if it's the one that I have written down as my answer. (laughs) Is it Fat Bottom Girls by Queen? No, but they do make the rockin' world go round, I'm told. Yeah. I will say uh, Lisa Stansfield, Been Around the World. And I think there's a Puff Daddy version of it. So. Perfect. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, him and Mace did one, I believe, where they sampled David Bowie's Let's Dance. Yes, yes, that's it. I'm going to say Flipper, That's the Way of the World. Perfect. Uh, my favorite would be Let the Bodies Hit the Floor by Drowning Pool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you somehow went harder than even I did. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how you play What's Your Favorite Song. Thanks for participating, guys. Maybe we'll bring it back. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, that was fun. It's a great uh, road trip game. Go play it with your friends, everyone out there. It's uh, the I'd Buy That Challenge. Yeah, Jeremy and I went on a road trip (laughs) with a few friends and played that game for hours until we all hated the game or maybe loved it even more. I don't know. Yeah. But with that, let's let's listen to another song. Yeah. Next up, we're going to hear Wishful Thinking. This is Side A, track four.
That song could maybe pass on a jazz record, I would say. It's almost almost there. Maybe jazz purists still wouldn't like the uh, slight pop edge it has, but... Definitely gives me a bossa nova kind of feels. To... Yeah. Yeah. And that's her on guitar, too, which is amazing. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. It's quite impressive. She's on a lot of instruments on this album. Do you guys think that this record has the most money paid for hand claps and finger snaps because there's like 30 credits for people snapping their fingers and <laughs> clapping hands right. on this album. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen so many credits for that. That's crazy. Yeah, what was the budget on finger snaps <laughs> on this record? Jeez. <laughs> Do you think there's like professional studio like finger snappers? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a dude that whistles, what is it, Toots something? Uh, Toots Thielsmans? I can't yeah, something. <laughs> might be one of the like strangest money laundering things <laughs> to ever happen. <laughs> I've got forty people snapping their fingers on this record. Do not ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> what account do we write these under? <laughs> yeah, oh, crazy. This is sonically an amazing album. And there's always something to be said for funk adjacent records where the ballad they put just as much work into the arrangement on as they did for the up-tempo dance numbers there's so many funk records i love where when it gets to the ballad it's like the music is just so boring and really just there there for the the singer to be impressive and not so on the patrice russian albums well definitely with this one I, i feel like the the ballads and the slower songs are just stronger honestly like the 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 funkier stuff is cool, but to me, there's no like big, there's no banger on it. There's no, I mean, there there is, but there kind of isn't. Yeah. There, you know, like compared to like her later stuff, there's no like signature, huge, Patrice Russian pop song. There's kind of like the mellower stuff. Just to me, hits harder. And even the like biggest hit off this record, which we'll be hearing after this, "Hang It Up," it's a pretty slow song. I mean, it's in the like '90s. For BPM, so it's not really a track you're going to play at the height of a dance party, anyways. Anyways, it's like a, you know, warm up early part of the evening kind of thing. Yeah, and and it's weird because it's like this was right at the height of disco, you know. Yeah, <laughs> she kind of put out this mid. And there's just like a hint of disco on this record, just like a nod that it exists, but this record is still fully her creation, the way she wanted it to be, regardless of maybe even what the label thought was going to be successful at the time. Yeah. You know, another thing about the song, this was another one where um, it I, I heard about it through a cover version on another electronic album. So there's a group called Four Hero, who's one of the originators of Jungle. They made a, a album with all live instruments. It's called Two Pages, amazing album. And they did a cover of this on there. Oh, nice. So, definitely one of my favorite songs. So when I, when I got this album and I heard that on there, I was like, ah, I didn't even realize it was a, a cover. Mm, that's great (laughs) i love it when that happens definitely so let's uh let's go ahead and get into a little of this bio figure out where patrice came from what brought her to this point to be making such incredible music and i'm going to debunk jeremy's theory that you can't become serious about studying piano at the age of three like donny hathaway um (laughs) Yes and no. <laughs> oh, wow. Before we talk about Patrice, though, I'm, I got to mention real quick that 
a big part of the Patrice Russian story comes from the legacy of her mother, Ruth Russian, who is a very notable person in her own right. Interestingly enough, Patrice's parents were not musicians. You would think with someone this gifted and dedicated to music that it would have been like, you know, a family lineage. We all play music. But in fact, Ruth Russian, Patrice's mom, had dedicated her life to improving the California prison system. Uh, she was a lifelong advocate for fair treatment, rehabilitation, and opportunities for incarcerated individuals. Yeah. Was she a warden? I think she was like the director of the entire California prison system at one point, like in the early 80s. I remember Crazy. just reading reading a little bit about that, and it was really fascinating. Yeah, and she was uh, an early, early strong advocate for rehabilitation, which is something that was not really in use very much, but she was all about like, let's get these people back on their feet and give them life skills and opportunities. So an amazing woman who definitely encouraged her daughter Patrice to strive for excellence in all things, which is seems to be basically the mantra for the Patrice Russian story. So let's get into this early childhood education though. Patrice showed an interest in music at a very early age. The teacher at her nursery school noticed that Patrice would just light up anytime she was around music and recommended to Patrice's parents to take her to a new kind of experimental early childhood education program being done by the University of Southern California at that point, where grad students were trying out new things with early childhood education, especially for kids that show an early and strong musical talent or interest. Uh, one of the central ideas of this program was teaching a strong connection between music and feeling. So some sources you will read that Patrice started playing piano at the age of three. That is not actually true. She started these music programs at the age of three, but the first two years of it was more just associating music and feeling. She didn't start playing piano until the age of five. Oh, so... Has Jeremy Ruggles been editing things to make his theory stick? <laughs> <laughs> He's scrubbing the internet so that no one can prove him wrong, as usual. I got to say, that had a, a little bit of parallel with Men in Black and Will Smith kind of <laughs> being invited into the, the secret experimental program. Yeah, same building as the, the Men in Black offices, just like a different floor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, secretly, Men in Black was just the Patrice Russian story. Ooh, I like pa that. Packaged for mass audiences. <laughs> Same universe. <laughs> <laughs> so she started the program at age three. After two years, her teachers at the program chose the piano as her first instrument. I don't know if that was just everybody's first instrument or if they had like tests to show what the different students were more inclined to, but piano was what they picked for her and that's was her main interest for the rest of her life although as we've mentioned she learned several other instruments and was proficient at more than just piano i gotta say um that program definitely worked yeah <laughs> Clear, clearly it was effective yeah uh, patrice is like a testament to the possibilities of the education system i would say <laughs> absolutely we need to get music back in schools yeah for real we need more patrice russians out there absolutely in junior high, Patrice began learning the flute. Um, she has stated that this was mostly because she just wanted to have a cool case to carry like the other students. You can't carry your piano down the hallway and look like a badass music student in junior high. 
So she wanted a case and she picked up the flute and this had an interesting unexpected result. So she's playing flute in band and orchestra and it's one of those instruments where you're not playing it the whole time. So there was long stretches where she's sitting out waiting for her next turn and this started to develop an interest in arrangement and composing. She found herself listening to the full piece of music more intently and becoming fascinated with how it's all put together. So as early as junior high, she's starting to take notice of not just musicians on the record she's listening to, but who's conducting it, who's arranging, who's doing the arrangements on TV shows, who's this guy Quincy Jones that I need to know more about, these kind of things. Very normal junior high behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can all relate to that, I'm sure. (laughs) The uh, Southern California University Music Program continued through all this. She was actually a part of that all through high school, which is why if you look at some of her uh, pieces of official resume, most of her early listed music teachers all have doctorates now (laughs) because they were all grad students at the time. I first saw that. I was like, how did she line up like six doctors in a row to teach her piano? (laughs) like the early part of her life but there you have it she attended high school at lock high school in la this is a pretty notable high school Um, they had a strong music program and there's a whole list of famous people who were taught there especially because of a new incoming music teacher who was there i think for like the last two years of patrice's time at high school this guy's name was reggie andrews who actually produced one of the tracks on this record and later worked for Motown, co-wrote the song Let It Whip for the Daz Band. He also taught a few other musicians, notably Thundercat, Kamasi Washington, members of The Far Side, Terrace Martin, the saxophone player Gerald Albright, who's one of the many hand clap slash uh, finger snap guys on this record. <laughs> uh, about he, snap. <laughs> Reggie taught members of the Phoenix Horns, Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire's fires horns. horn section. And wow. he was basically the main father figure and music educator for a young Tyrese Gibson, later notable for being a long-running member of the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> and Baby Boy. Yep. That's crazy. I, I was reading the credits and I saw Reggie Andrews, but I didn't really put it together that it was that Reggie Andrews. I actually know or met his daughter... Nia Andrews, amazing singer as well, um, does a lot of stuff in that LA scene, and and I knew he had like taught Thundercat and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I never put all the the two together, so amazing connection. Yeah, an incredible legacy. Leon Indugu Chancellor also went to Lock High School. Um, throughout high school, Patrice was also a regular dancer on Soul Train. She just kind of happened to be at the right park at the right time when Don Cornelius rolled up and was like, who wants to dance on my TV show? And you can even find a clip of her being selected as the one to ask a question of Bill Withers when he performed on Soul Train. Yeah, she drops her name. She's, she says, Bill, Patrice Russian. I wish she had added, remember that name. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to want to know that. <laughs> So is this where she developed the um, forget-me-nots dance? Could be. Could be. One other amazing high school story I learned of her. She met an early incarnation of Earth, Wind, and Fire in high school because Reggie Andrews was tight with Maurice White and Earth, Wind, and Fire was not successful enough to pay for their own practice space at that point. So 
they traded use of like the gym or the common room at her high school. Um, and then their payment was they played her prom. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Always strive for excellence. So she like helped earth, wind and fire load their gear in and out for band practices. And then they played her prom. It's just mind blowing, <laughs> <laughs> which explains why, one of the members of earth, wind and fire is on this record. And there's a couple tracks that definitely sound like they could just be on an earth, wind and fire record. Absolutely. Yep. That's great. <laughs> Patrice graduated high school in 1972. Shortly after that, she won a jazz competition, which got her a slot on the Montreux jazz festival. And there's at this point, there was always people scouting for labels, looking for hot young talent especially because the music industry was figuring out that if you put jazz musicians behind your pop and soul records, they're going to be much better. She was signed to prestige pretty soon after her set at the Montreux jazz festival. However, she was really hesitant to sign with any label. She felt like she wanted to develop herself as an artist before putting herself out there in the world. She didn't want to try and try and put music before people until she felt like she was ready, like she was at the level to take things over, which again, the, the amount of foresight <laughs> and interest that she had in her music from an extremely young age is just so impressive. She basically treated her time at prestige as kind of just a summer job during college. That's the way she seems to refer to it. And like the amount of importance that she put on it at the time. So she dropped three records with them. Each one kind of a different style a different angle of various jazz fusion and they're great records they didn't sell extremely well so as we said the jazz purists might have been familiar with her and disappointed once this record came out but everybody else probably didn't hear about this young small-time up-and-coming jazz artist and when she entered the scene with this record was just like wow who's this amazing new pop star yeah I didn't get the Im impression that, yeah, those had made much impact, those jazz records. That wasn't really what she was known widely for. Just yeah. a very small select circle. Again, though, there's those. there's a good handful of notable hip-hop samples on those first three jazz records as well. People were paying attention to her throughout her whole career when it came to that. Definitely. Just, you know, a little bit removed from when they were first coming out. <laughs> Uh, so in college, she majored in music education, and this was because when she officially told her parents that she wanted to be a musician as a career, their response was, that's fine, but what's your real job going to be? Yeah. They didn't strike, yeah, they seemed like the parents that would 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 uh, not expect music to be a real career. Yeah, I know. I, it's hobby. like we Even know that we, you've been educated your entire life and show nothing but the most promising talent and are literally winning jazz competitions. But what's your day job going to be? You always got to have that backup plan. <laughs> you got to. <laughs> I mean, for every Patrice Russian, there's a hundred others who had almost similar paths and ended up not quite making it. Sometime during her stint at prestige Records, she turned down an offer to join the Mahavishnu orchestra again, because she felt she just wasn't ready for that level. Even though, of course, musically, she would have been amazing, but just interesting footnote. <laughs> so after the three records on Prestige, she signs to Electra, who at that point were especially interested in building a roster of jazz artists with strong pop sensibility. And they recognized that Patrice was a perfect fit for the kind of thing they were trying to do. And then in 1978, 
At only the age of 23, Patrice drops his first record on Electra, the one we're listening to today. 23, fourth album, reinventing the career. Yeah. <laughs> it's And now finally ready to put herself out there at 23. Yeah. yeah tw- 23 with a, like a self-produced album is crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. With these huge arrangements, it's like nuts. Yeah, huge arrangements, like 30 string players plus the finger snaps. Amazing. <laughs> so let's go ahead and listen to the hit off this record, Hang It Up. That is Side B, track one. Giving me some Sly Stone vibes. Oh yeah, track. I could definitely see that. I'm, I'm definitely thinking George Duke when I hear that. Mm, the, the perfect halfway point between George Duke and Sly Stone, maybe. <laughs> now I don't know if she was on that track, but isn't Cyrita a backing vocalist on this album? Yes. Yeah, Cyrita's on a, like three or four tracks on this, I think. Yep, she's definitely on Music of the Earth. Yeah, there's a there's a huge list of players on this record. There's a ton of strings on here and a whole lot of backing vocals and a few notable guest musicians. Uh, the main players on this record, though, are James Gadson on drums, the you know one of the most prolific in demand session players of this time. His list mm-hmm. of associations and records that he's played on is beyond legendary. And then we have the great Al McKay on guitar from 
Earth, Wind, and Fire. And Ready Freddie Washington on bass, who oh, continued yeah. to collaborate with Patrice after this. He's actually the one that wrote the bass line that inspired the song Forget Me Nots. Yeah, I see that he has a lot of co-writing credits on her stuff. Yes. And then on percussion, you've either got Bill Summers or Paulino DaCosta. And you obviously cannot go wrong with either one of those dudes. Yeah, both are amazing. Yeah. All their own albums are ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. What a lineup. What a lineup. So after this record, Patrice put out a few more albums with Elektra. And then her last album with Elektra came out in 1984, an album called Now. She left because she was feeling a little constricted. They weren't really maybe valuing her enough or giving her the freedom that she wanted. And a certain old friend of the show, Clive Davis, was like, I love your music. You got to come to Arista. You got to make a record with me. And Clive Davis ended up being the reason why Patrice Russian left the major labeled <laughs> music industry. <laughs> what? Because he sucks. Clive did it again. It's been a while since we've talked shit about Clive Davis, but I'm glad we get to have that little feature right now. <laughs> He's going to come up in the next step too, but hell yeah. <laughs> For- Foreshadow. Uh, so Patrice had recorded a follow-up to her album now, right around the same time in around 1984 and was anticipating following it right away. And she gave it to Clive and then he sat on it for three years because he didn't think there was a good enough hit and was trying to like convince her to write better hits or something and she was so frustrated and disgusted with him that she quit arista after it finally came out in 1987 and never tried to be on a major label again however she moved gracefully into television and composing Um, she has an incredible list of award shows and high profile live television programs where she has been the lead music director for it she's done the grammys she's done i should have written down a list of all the things that she's done but it's very impressive we'll just leave it at that you can look it up i'm sure yes (laughs) she's important trust us it's also worth noting that she had a lifelong friendship with prince yes he was a early admirer of hers and supposedly wrote the song i feel for you about patrice russian which was included on his 1979 self-titled album before Shaka Khan had an even bigger hit with it. I also think Shaka um, Khan. <laughs> I also heard um, uh, "I Want to Be Your Lover" was about her as well. He he was really trying to 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 get with her. Yeah, very well could be. When when Questlove asked her about the Prince Association, she seemed to kind of avoid any like talks of how romantic the relationship was. From her perspective, it was more one of mutual admiration and she said they would often have long phone conversations just kind of like giving each other tips and sharing what they've learned like what what effect did you use on this song that you did how'd you get this sound in the studio like what'd you do here just sharing this deep knowledge that only people at the level of prince or patrice russian could do Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, where's the per- Patrice Russian and Prince collaboration? There's got to be something. Oh, man. In the vault somewhere. In the vault. Yeah. Only in cr- in the Prince in vault. vault. <laughs> this is how our heist movie starts. <laughs> that would definitely be a worthwhile heist right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Doing the world a service. Well, Sean. Jeremy. It is that time. 
once again, That's where right. you dip into your endless, boundless tank of expertise and just cherry pick out a few records that are similar to this one and you think are awesome. Seems like a tall order, but I'll give it my best shot. First up, Jean Karn, an artist we have recommended several times. Her album, Happy to Be With You from 1978, is a great place to go if you're looking for some more late 70s female-fronted funky soul tracks. Uh, Jean also has a strong jazz background as well. She did a couple of those black jazz releases with her then-husband, Doug Karn, before going into the Philly soul disco style. Next one up, if you're looking for more of that Earth, Wind, and Fire similarity, why not try The Emotions? I was 90% sure you were going to say Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same. You, you want to hear some more Earth, Wind, and Fire? Check out Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> the greatest band of all time. Uh, the Emotions was like uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire trying to prop up a girl group and doing most of the music behind it. And it is just as great as you would imagine. I'm sure people are familiar with a few of the hits. But again, for the 1978 Association, their album Sunbeam is excellent. And my last recommendation, and the one that I think might be the closest, the closest stylistically, Dee Dee Bridgewater's Just Family from 1978. Another good combination of jazz and pop and soul and a little bit of everything. Yeah, Dee Dee is the real deal. <laughs> For sure. Can't recommend her enough. Yeah. I kind of had to wonder if Patrice had retained or of a traditional jazz sound while branching into, you know, songwriting vocals and all that, if she might be held up higher in, you know, the overall memory of the public as say like Nina Simone or something. Yeah. It's, it's tough to say. I mean, I, you'd made the Nina Simone comparison before and it, I mean, I would have to say like the, the talent is there who knows for what reason that she's not held in that kind of, level of regard by most people but i feel like you know with from performing people know her on the jazz side from performing like she still performs to this day she, i've seen her pop up on instagram like doing um you know sound checks and stuff and it's amazing and i think people do respect her as a musician on that level but she just doesn't have enough albums to that are that are strictly on on the jazz side to you know, to really give people that um, that perception that she's a go-to jazz musician. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I'd also heard that during the height of her fame, she was not actually touring as much as a lot of her contemporaries. That was not always her thing. I mean, she enjoys playing live, but wasn't like hitting the road super hard. So that might have contributed to just not being in front of people enough to hit that level of saturation. I wonder if the pop market was like not the same type of uh, energy and crowd that she that she wanted to play for. You know what I mean? Like if she if she had stayed on the jazz path and played for those type of crowds, maybe she would have been happier. Yeah, it could be like a more quiet, respectful audience kind of thing. Yeah, all interesting theories. Well, that's all my notes on this. So unless anybody has any final thoughts, we're going to go out on the song, Let's Sing a Song of Love, 
Uh, Dave, do you got any anything you want to say about that track before we get out of here and listen to it? Oh, man, it's another great one. Um, definitely has kind of, a, I want to say almost like a Brazilian vibe to it, but then it kind of switches up into this like real funky song. I, I love it. Great song. Yeah. This one for me has the strongest Earth, Wind & Fire vibe to it. Definitely. Dave, do you have anything you want to plug for our listeners before we get out of here? Well, I, I do a radio show every Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time on WKDU 91.7 FM in Philly, and it's worldwide on WKDU.org, and it's called Eavesdrop Radio with myself and DJ Junior. Great show. Definitely check it out. And then um, I also uh, stream on Twitch live DJ mixes uh, every Sunday at noon on um, it's little Dave two one five on Twitch. So come check me out. And I do a million other things. <laughs> <laughs> Is that L I L D A V E two one five? Yes. Yep. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining us and talking Patrice. I think there's so much more we could say, but we, I think we've at least got people interested to give her more listening time. Now, thanks for bringing me through. Uh, I'm a big fan of this podcast. So. Right on. We'll come back anytime. Pleasure having you. Thank you. So one more time, what is this we're going out on? This is the song, Let's Sing a Song of Love. We're looking at side A, track five. I'm co-host Jeremy, singing a song of love and goodbye. <laughs> I'm co-host peter doing exactly the same as co-host jeremy we're harmonizing and i'm co-host sean joining in with the band thanks for coming on dave thank you